Hi, I'm Mallory Kane, and you're listening to the ODU Monarchist Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Today, we welcome Russ Livingood to the show. Russ is the co-host of the Thundercast Podcast, the number one Marshall's athletic podcast on earth. Welcome to the world's best and only ODU podcast. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. So happy to have you, Russ. So you and Katie released your first episode of Thundercast on April 1st, one full week after we dropped the first episode of The Monarchist. What inspired y'all to start your show? So KD had a very popular podcast for a little over six years called Moonshine Throwdown. And it was a rivalry podcast between WKU and Marshall and the move to the Sun Belt, which we could not be happier as a school and an athletics program to be going to, to the Sun Belt. That was going to mean that rivalry is going away. So KD reached out to me. We've been really good friends for over 25 years. And he said, Hey, I know you have a little bit of a background in this. I've never done a podcast, but I went through journalism school at Marshall. And he said, I'd like you to consider being a co-host. And I said, sure, but I think that we ought to do more than just football. We should do not a rivalry. It should be all about Marshall and every sport in the athletic department. And it sounds like we do a lot of the same things. You guys and us, we were just talking about that. I've had a blast with it so far. It's a lot of fun. Let's talk about Marshall football here. Okay. Obviously, it's been well documented that Ricky Ronnie and Charles Huff, they're both great friends. They both coached alongside each other while assistants under Jane Franklin at Penn State. So far, with Coach Huff's second season as head coach of the Thundering Herd, How's his vision coming together of the herd? I guess that depends on who you ask. Some of the fans are a lot harder on him than than maybe they should. I think we got a great signature win at Notre Dame. We had some struggles since then. I don't feel that it's all coaching. Coaches get that get that blame sometimes. You're the head coach and you ought to take the blame. But we've had some trouble on offense, especially with passing and quarterback play and offensive line play. And that's led to a four and four record that was a big disappointment after going to Notre Dame and beating them. So I'm still all in on Coach Huff. I think he's running a great program. He's getting good talent in. We have upgraded in size and depth and we have some explosive players and we are still one and a half years into him being here. He came in kind of late in the recruiting cycle. So this was his first quote unquote real off season. And it takes a little bit of time, but I, myself and KD, we couldn't be more pleased to have Coach Huff. So speaking of that Notre Dame win, obviously it's hard to win in South Bend. And it's Mm -hmm. amazing that Marshall pulled that off. Did that win come as a surprise to you and Marshall fans or Not to me. In fact, on the breakdown, I am a huge matchups guy and I have a lot of that here for this game coming up. I really like the matchup and I predicted us to win 28 to 23 and we won 26 to 21. Now, 
I don't do that every week, (laughs) but if I did, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I'd be in Vegas, but it was not a surprise to me. We have a really good running defense and I knew that they probably wouldn't be able to run the ball and it would come down to them not having a lot of receiving options when they lost their best wide out. And that's exactly what happened. All right. So on offense, the team is led by a fantastic running back, Kalon LeBourne. He's already rushed for well over a thousand yards. Talk to us a little bit about him and the offensive line that's protecting for him. Labron has exploded on the scene. He was going to be our RB2. He was out of the Virginia area. He went down to Florida State. He ended up getting booted off the team. He had no place really to go. He was working in a lumber yard. He was driving Uber or DoorDash or something like that and doing what he could to stay in school to be eligible and do everything that he could. He ends up at Marshall, partly a cause of the running back lineage that Charles Huff has underneath him. And he was expected to back up All-American Rasheen Ali two weeks before the season. Ali suffers an injury that was held under wraps for the longest time, but now it's out there. And Labron just came in and he had a chip on his shoulder and he runs with force. He's fast. He's explosive. But what you guys will see is he has a very low center of gravity and will lower his helmet, lower his pads and just drive through to get an extra yard here, an extra two to three yards there. And those have all racked up to a thousand, I think, 62 yards on the season. So Kalen is from Virginia Beach. He played at Bishop Sullivan for Chris Scott, won a lot of games there. Now Chris Scott has built up Oscar Smith High School to a new powerhouse. So a lot of our listeners are not surprised by how good he has been for the herd. All right, so now we go to the quarterbacks. Starting with the season, you had Henry Columby starting games. And the last two games? Two games. You, uh, Fancher has started. Yeah. It appears that Fancher is more comfortable running the offense last week than he was in the first game. Should we expect to see Cam continue to start? And what can ODU fans expect to see from this offense on Saturday? They had a two-quarterback system all every game until the last two games. Columbia's been banged up, and he was also a little ineffective. They didn't have confidence in throwing the ball downfield with him. They brought Cam in to start, and he was a – game time in the warm-up scratch at James Madison. So that meant that Fancher was pretty much going to have to play the whole game. It was the same except for Columbia was actually in pads for the last game, but he did not play. Fancher was playing well. We will still have Fancher starting, and we will have a two-quarterback system, but it's all based on different types of situations and plays during the uh, the last game at Coastal, we just did not have the scenario to put Columbia in. So Fancher played the duration of the game. I think that you will see both quarterbacks this Saturday. I think that you would probably see, if I had to guess, 70-30, 75-25 Fancher over Columbia. But that is all dependent on how the game goes and what scenarios that they get into. 
Fancher throws the ball downfield a lot better. We have been throwing more over the middle, longer passes. He's also able to scramble and avoid sacks and extend plays. And he is extremely fast. He was a triple jump champion in high school out of Ohio. Very athletic. Reminds a lot of people of Pat White. I think a lot of that is not just because of his speed, but because he's a lefty. Um, You had asked a minute ago about offensive line, and I forgot about that when we were talking about running back, but I'll get that here because it comes into play. Marshall has struggled with their offensive line play at times this year, both in penalties and in sacks allowed. And Cam gives us a better option to avoid those sacks, extend those plays, run away from the defenders. And it seemed like that all came together except for points on the board in this last game. I can tell you OU fans do not like hearing that he is a fast quarterback who can move with his feet because we have struggled all year on third down with mobile quarterbacks. We had a few games where he figured it out and the dam broke against Georgia State, (laughs) if you will. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's definitely always a concern. As Old Dominion fans, everybody loves Taylor Heineke. If people are Washington fans, they see Carson Wentz come in, and Carson has got a lot of tools, a lot of athletic tools, but unless he's got a great offensive line, he really struggles. And then you plug Taylor in, and he can mask those issues. And it sounds a little bit, which you're talking right now, of not having an extremely strong offensive line, but Fancher having that skill set to be able to adapt and overcome and run the offense a little better there. I think the offensive line for us gets gets a bad rap because it's all on pass blocking. They've done an admirable to extremely well job in every game on the run. They run block very well. We've got some big guys. We've got some experienced guys, strong guys. But for whatever reason, they are struggling a lot with uh, with the offensive line pass blocking. So it was really apparent under Columbia, but Fancher does provide that elusiveness. And hopefully on on my half and Marshall's behalf that we'll be able to help you guys struggle with that continue. I have to root on my team, of course, like you guys are going to. But uh, I, I think that he will cause a little bit of problems, maybe not running all over you, that sort of thing for scrambling for 60 yards. But just if you can avoid two additional sacks and help the field percentage or extend for a first down, that all helps with with your field position and points on the board. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens because until two games ago, we were averaging, what, almost 4.2 sacks per game. In the last two games, we haven't really been able to get to the quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see here who – who overcomes the offensive line who hasn't pass blocked that great or the team that was getting to the quarterback a lot but has struggled in the last few games with it. Here's some stats for you on that front. Out of 131 teams, Marshall is 128th, giving up 31 sacks on the year. Uh, ODU is tied for eighth in getting 26 sacks so far on the year. Now, this is through today as we're recording. That is going to change when some weekday games pop up. But as of right now, that's what I'm looking at. And that's one of the matchups that's very scary because we've given up a lot of sacks and you guys have gotten a lot of sacks. All right. So speaking of defenses, uh, yards have been really difficult to come by against the Marshall defense this year. Mm -hmm. 
Y'all currently ranked eighth in the country and allowing the fewest yards per game at 282.8. What kind of formation is Marshall running and what drives this stout defense? So they switch up these formations a lot because they've got a lot of people they can rotate in and out. I think you'll see a lot of 4-3. You will see some extremely fast and aggressive defensive ends that seem to drive, to answer your question, this defense because Owen Porter, I don't know if you saw what he did against James Madison. He had three and a half sacks. He had an additional full sack that was not counted because even though it was behind the line of scrimmage, it was not a full yard, so it didn't count as a sack. So technically, though, he had four and a half sacks by himself. On the other end is Kobe Cumberlander, and he's an animal as well. When they get pressure to the quarterbacks, it really allows our linebackers and our defensive backs to play good tight coverage. We have 12 interceptions so far on the year. We've got two potential cornerbacks that could make it in the NFL in Gilmore and Abraham. Gilmore Gilmore's older brother is in the NFL and Abraham's dad was in the NFL. So they both have that pedigree. Really fast linebackers. It's just a top-to-bottom really good defense. It's kept us in a lot of games. It's won us a lot of games. When you're struggling to put points up and struggling to move the ball downfield with your passing, you better have a good defense, and that's been our bread and butter this year. So Abraham, is that Jonathan Abraham's son? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. And then Gilmore, is that Stefan Gilmore's brother? Yeah. Okay, cool. Good good Um, lineage there. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so you just mentioned their struggles in the red zone on offense. I'm sorry to go back to offense, but... No, that's all right. Is it all passing? With your running game, you think you'd be able to punch them in? So here's the deal. I've got these stats up, and by the way, you guys are eighth in the nation in red zone defense. We are 128th in red zone offense. And that's 21 of 31. We have had three fumbles inside the five-yard line. So that would immediately bump it up quite a bit because it doesn't take a lot when you're going from 21 out of 31 and push up to 24 out of 31. You would probably pass maybe 50 teams right there. We've had two field goals blocked on the year. So that's two more. So that's 26 out of 31. If you could get points out of any of those five, That's 26 out of 31. It looks a lot worse on paper, but those are actual stats. We did not convert, so it plays, right? So we have struggled on that, and that's another matchup that is going to be favorable for you guys because you do have a good defense. It's almost like a bend but don't break. It is, absolutely. You're giving up more points, and field position gets you in the field red zone, but then you're really stingy when it comes to to that time when it counts. Yeah, so... One thing that ODU fans might complain about is how far off the line we play at times. But you can't play that far off the line once you get in the red zone. Sure. And our defense is fast enough to make plays, whether it's through the air or forcing fumbles. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've done that really this year in that area. Now, we did it last week against Georgia State. We get the ball back, and we can't get the ball moving. But they are a very opportunistic defense in the red zone. Yeah. All right, so going back to the overall team, let's talk about injuries. How are you guys dealing with injuries so far? 
I can tell you ODU is starting to pile up on us. Did for us the last game, the famously, as I've already mentioned, Rasheen Ali, who was a preseason All-American, has not played a snap this year, and I do not expect him to play against ODU. That has dramatically changed our offense top to bottom. You can't give up 1,700 yards from last year while he was a freshman, by the way, and 27 touchdowns, I think. Anyway, he was tied for the lead in in the nation in touchdowns as a freshman. So that changes your your scope of your offense. However, we had some bad injuries happen in this last game. The wide receiver, Talit Keaton, who had a very good game, had a, what looked to be a knee injury, and I don't expect him back for a while. We had some other defensive players get banged up. Laburn himself came out of the game with a shoulder injury. He went back in. Isaiah Norman had a, an injury, and he's a, a defensive back that subs in quite a bit, plays a lot. Uh, we've had uh, some inopportune injuries at bad times, and injuries are killers. That it, it can lose a game, but it can also hurt your season. And I truly believe if we had Rasheen Ali and then Laburn was his backup or they split time or whatever, when one of them gets tired or you've worn down a defense and then you bring the other one in fresh, that just that's what we expected to do. And that's why we had gotten Columbia, who was a game manager, more of a just high percentage throw kind of guy. And it just has not worked out because we've been missing that. Injuries have killed us. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what ends up on the field for us this week. I know Coach Ronnie just announced that Zach Koontz is out for the year, so anyone worried about the tight end position there from him, he hasn't been on the field since the Liberty game, but was made official this week, and I know we were suffered some injuries in this last game, so as we really won't know until the game happens because Coach Ronnie doesn't talk injuries. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see on both sides of the ball. Sure. All right, so a couple minutes ago, you mentioned having a block kick. That's one of the things that ODU does really well, and ODU has continued to put pressure on the kicking game. We've got three block kick this year, which is tied for six nationally. What can you tell us about the herd special teams and how you think they'll plan to stifle Old Dominion? I don't know how they'll plan to stifle them. I just hope that they do. We've we've had some kicking issues this year. We've missed some. We have a freshman kicker and a freshman punter. Uh, the kicking game has not been horrible. It with two blocks, it makes it a lot worse than it was. We've missed a wide left uh, two or three times. We've the ones that have been blocked. Go figure. I know this is going to sound like duh, but they've been low line drives, but. Obviously, no one's going to block one that's a booming kick 35 feet in the air over the line, but it seems like they were short enough kicks that we should have been able to put some height on them and not have that. So it struggled sometimes with that. We have a very good freshman punter that seems like 60% of his punts go inside the 20. He's extremely good at that, doesn't have a lot of touchbacks. But our field goal kicker and kickoff specialist and extra points kicker, all the same guy, he also punts for us. And it seems like when we need to get it inside the 20 or it's a shorter field, we go with McConnell. 
And when it is a longer punt that is needed, we go with Burhoff, who does all the other kicking duties. In the return game, we have seemingly been building and building to this crescendo of Talit Keaton breaking one for a for a punt return. Now he's out. We have Jaden Harrison, fastest player on the team. He does a lot of our return duties and is now taking over with Andre Sam to do punt returns. So Keaton being out, that's going to hurt a little bit on the return game. Special teams is one of our, I don't want to say weak points, but it's not as strong as we really need. So on kickoffs, are we going out of bounds? Are we going to the end zone every time? Or You'll go in the first two games, we had two different balls go out of the end zone to put you on the 35. But since then, it's been basically end zone, end zone. Um, I'm going to attribute that to being a, a true freshman player kicker. I think he's a true freshman. Now I'm doubting myself, but anyway, he is a freshman, but ever since we've done really well, you're going to have a starting position on the 25, just about every time, unless your guys are really good at the return game and want to take some chances. They have at times and it has just it's backfired at times and been good at others. So Saturday looks like it's going to be a beautiful day in Norfolk. Do you expect Marshall fans to travel in the normal numbers that we see in Norfolk? Because you guys usually bring a pretty good crowd so, compared to the old Conference USA days where you're the only team that brought fans. Yeah, and it's always been like that. I've been going to Marshall games for 31 years now. I think this is my 32nd year. We We have always traveled very well. Back in the Southern Conference when we were there, we traveled. Sometimes we had more fans at opposing team stadiums than they did, especially when we were in the MAC for that window. We would go up to Toledo and have more fans. Akron have more fans. Kent State have more fans. We travel really well. We took almost 8,000 to Notre Dame. We took a lot to Bowling Green. We we had a lot at James Madison. Uh, we've been to ODU before. I expect us to take a lot, and the Fans that travel to away games are generally not the fair weather fans that won't care that we're four and four. They'll go because they go to every game that they can. We also have a lot of fans that live in that Virginia area, so it would be a shorter trip to go there than it would for a home game for them. So I do expect, I don't know how many I can tell you will be there, but I would say that you'll definitely have a couple of thousand. And What's your stadium capacity right now? Is it 28? Just around 22. Oh, 22. Okay. I thought for some reason you guys had expanded more we than did. that. So we <laughs> tore down both sidelines. Yeah. Had to rebuild because they were from the 30s. Yeah. Amenities were terrible. Wasn't great for ADA compliance. So we had to start from the ground up. And instead of focusing on capacity growing, we focused on improving the amenities. Sure making it a, a great atmosphere to watch games in. For the fans that do make it, there's not many better nosebleed seats on the top section. There's not a bad view. They've What they tried to do was push the seats as close to the field as possible. Mm -hmm. And then the way they're going almost straight up, you're still not far away from the field when you're in the back row. Yeah. Whereas if you go to another stadium and you're in the back row up top, you feel like you're a mile from the field and you need yeah. that jumbotron to watch the game. Sure. You don't need that at all. Yeah. All right. So 
Vegas opened the spread in Marshall's favor at two and a half points. The line has since moved to minus three for Marshall. The total opened up at, at 47 and has now moved to 45 and a half. What's your take on how this goes down? I haven't really gotten my score prediction hammered out yet because I usually get that the day that we record our show and we're doing our preview a little bit later in the week. I do see it more of a lower scoring affair. I think that we have some strength versus weakness, strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness, that sort of thing. It's all across the board what we're going to see in matchups. But I see it more around a 21-17 or a 24-21 kind of game. And I am a Marshall fan, and I have to say that I have them sneaking out with a win. But it's the kind of game that I think could go either way. I just don't expect either team to blow the other one out, and I don't expect it to be a a high-scoring slugfest. So Parker at Stats of War, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but he puts out these great models every mm-hmm. game and his model I when I saw the number I was not that surprised after our performance last week but if you had told me this a month ago I would have been shocked he's got Marshall at 18.56 points ODU at 13.15 we have struggled the- putting the ball in the end zone especially here lately and I that probably factors in a lot. I don't know his models and everything, but generally they go with recent activity and such. Coming into the game, I thought it was a pretty thing that we were 91st and you guys were 92nd in scoring per game. We're at 24.9 and you're at 24.6. Defensively, we're 15th in the country, giving up 17 and a half. And you guys are tied for 70th with 27 points. So it doesn't look like there is a big 30 or 40 points by either team, likely. Uh, I kind of like that lower 20s for both teams or upper teens and 20s for one of the teams. But I do expect it to be a close game, come down to the wire, and it may come down to a kick. If it comes down to a kick, it should be interesting because – you explained to us a little while ago about the that although the kicking game hasn't been bad, it also hasn't been as clutch as people would want. No, it hasn't. And you guys are 7 out of 10. I was looking at that. And you've got, let's see, 2 for 4 in, in the 20s, 3 for 3 in the 30s, 2 for 3 in the 40s, nothing over 44. And those two 20-yard ones were in the same game against Georgia Southern in the first what, half. Was it a push? What did What happened? One was, was on a the push. Hash. Yeah. Yeah. Overcorrection on the second. So here's a little stat for you as well. Marshall has not had an opponent miss a field goal or an extra point this year. Money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also thinking those two missed field goals, if they get into that same position again, we'll take a delay of game to give them a little bit more yardage. Yeah. I, I would see hope that. I would hope that would be the learning lesson of that. Yeah, Sanchez better has got angle. a monster. Yeah, and he's got a monster leg. So, I mean, having a 35 or 40 yard field goal is really no big deal to sure. him. So, we might see that, Mike. So, you guys have a long of 44 and nothing over 50. Has that just been because there's not been a good situation to try that? Or is it because he's a true freshman and you don't want to try it? 
That's a good question. Uh, I know we've gone for it. At most of those situa situations, we have a fourth and short, or we have a fourth and really long, and we have a very reliable punter. So I think it's just more of a conservative thing where uh, we can we have a good enough defense. Let's pin them deep and uh, take our chances because if you miss that field goal, you're giving them really great field position. Yeah. And I think Ethan's been one of the best kickers in the country this year in pinning teams inside the 20. So we just had this exact situation. I don't know if you saw any of the game, but against Coastal Carolina, we were down by 11, and we had fourth and – I can't remember the yardage, but we were close enough to the red zone where it was not going to be a very long kick Maybe it was 37, 39 yards, something like that. We ended up throwing to Labron in the end zone. He had a defensive end defending him. I thought it was pass interference. It wasn't, wasn't called at least. But we went for the touchdown instead of trying to get the field goal, where if you put the field goal on, you've still got the touchdown and get your eight points or whatever. We were going for the touchdown. I got it. My co-host said he sees it both ways, but it's we're 50-50 on kicks. So we went for the touchdown instead of taking what would normally be the gimme points. But we've missed some kicks and had two blocked and one earlier in the game. So we have had that situation and we have not gone for kicks. So that will be something to watch as well in this game. If it's a tight game, we'll have to rely on our kicking game because you just won't have that luxury. And we, we saw that against Coastal, and it backfired against them big time because they kept going for it. Yeah, I was going to say the refusal to actually try to attempt a field goal. Yeah, so they kept passing on the points and going for it, and then they were getting stoned on fourth down, giving us the ball back with the momentum. And the deeper the hole got, the more they kept doing it, and it just kept rewarding Old Dominion. Yeah. I'm hopeful where our defense is up for the challenge. All right. So before we close, I know you're calling the game for Marshall. We're calling for ODU. Hey, sure. it's just what, just what you got to do. But if Old Dominion is going to have success in this game, where do you think that Marshall could be vulnerable for ODU pulling this game out? One that we talked about was the sacks. If you can put a lot of pressure on Fancher and get some sacks, that will help with field position, prevent first downs, that sort of thing. I think that's glaring. I mentioned the kicking game. I, right now it's just not strong. And we, if it comes down in a close game and your kicker is better than our kicker, that could win the game right there. One of the things that we mentioned earlier was red zone, uh, that inverse – 128th for us in the red zone versus defensively your eighth in the country in the red zone. We have some others. I don't want to dominate talking about where Marshall's really strong on a, on an ODU podcast. I don't want to do that to you, but to do that, you're here to educate our fans on your team. Absolutely. Well, I will. The question was, where would we struggle? But I will say that we are first in the nation on third down conversion percentage given up, 20, 21.4% is all we give up. That's first in the nation. And offensively, ODU is 129 out of 131 at 26%. That could be a factor. That's something I have circled to watch 
we went two games giving up one against James Madison. They had 17 third down attempts and they converted zero. Our defense just took over that game. Owen Porter took over that game. They couldn't throw. They couldn't run. The field position killed them. Another good matchup uh, is your running game is 116th at 103.2 yards per game, and Marshall's is sixth, only giving up 87.1 a game. If we can prevent you guys from being able to run, it will force you to pass, and that's what happened at James Madison and a couple other games and Notre Dame to where we ended up getting turnovers. We had a pick six against Notre Dame. We had four interceptions. One was called back in the end zone because we had a guy three yards. He was running off the field, so that gave us 12 men on the field, so it it nullified the play. James Madison, we were picking off everything in the air. So it could happen. But that's just one scenario that it could happen. I'm not predicting that it necessarily is going to have to. It's uh, another is total offense. You guys are getting 356.5 yards per game, 96th in the country. It's not terrible. But Marshall, you mentioned being stingy with the yards. They're eighth in the country at 282.8. So it could be a situation of who can capitalize the most. You don't have to get a whole lot of yards if you've got low field or good field position. You don't have to say that we gave up 500 yards, so we must have lost by 40 points. Sometimes you get a lot of yards and you can't convert because you struggle in the red zone or the opponent gets a turnover. So I think it could come down to turnovers. It could come down to the kicking game. Either way I see it, I see it being a tight game. It's funny you mentioned the trying to force us to pass with your stingy run defense because ODU fans have been calling for us to start with the pass to lead into the run. The games where we passed first, it's made it easier to run. Sure. Because we're better passing. Mm -hmm. You got to make them respect the pass because, yeah, it's just that's the case this year. And then Georgia State, our starting right guard was out, and then his replacement got hurt. Then you had a true freshman in replacement, and they targeted him hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't know if Tyran Hunt will be back this week. Hopefully he is. Otherwise, they're going to have to figure something out there because what happened in the second half last week can't happen against Marshall. Yeah, and the same for us is we can't play how we did in our last game because we just did not capitalize. We had, by the way, a lot of penalties. We have been undisciplined, and I thought when I was doing this that I was going to say, hey, guys, we've got a lot of penalties, and I was shocked to see that you guys had more. Our fault. <laughs> no, it's not, but I I was shocked because generally when I go in here, I'm like, hey, we're undisciplined and this and that, and I was looking, and I said – Ooh, yeah. So that could be. We've had some extremely untimely penalties. We had a couple of 15-yarders that gave Coastal a very short field. It's easy to put three up at the very minimum when you're starting already in the in the opponent's offense, or, I mean, on their field position. Um, one other thing, one final thing that I saw, just because I switched over my papers here, Time of possession, we have an up-tempo offense. We have a really good up-tempo, and I was shocked to see that you guys only have 25 on average per game time of possession. 
Yeah, it hasn't been good. When we talk Sunday, though, I think me and Mike and Gary, we've tried to run the ball so much like Mike was just alluding to. But we've been when we've had to pass, let's just say the two minute offense, especially early on in the season, end of halves, whatever it is, two minutes, explosive offense, pass, boom, quick, quick, scoring quick. But we don't we weren't doing it all with the exception of when you had to there. And I think last game, what do we have? Maybe 20 minute time in possession, Mike? I mean, it was pretty brutal. One thing I think we've been trying to do is because we do play that bend or break style, then you add in a penalty, which maybe extends the opposition's drive. We are trying to slow down our possessions to give our defense a break. Yeah. And then we end up in third and longs. In obvious passing downs, which makes it harder to pass, and it goes to a lot of three and outs, mm-hmm. which I think both of those things combined is why we want to see ODU lead with the pass when you're not expecting it, or it could be either play, right? Mm-hmm. Secondly, we're more successful passing, so do what works. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. The defense is going to be tired of what we've seen is defense can be tired no matter what because it's they give long drives. So yeah, if you're going to have a 20, well score. Yeah, 20 minutes time of possession, let's score on it. If <laughs> We're going to be yeah. on the field 40 minutes either way. Yeah. So let's put some points on the board and cause teams to go out of their comfort zone a little bit. Obviously, I'm guessing that you guys are going to want to pound the rock. That's where the strength lies as opposed to throwing the ball 50 yeah. or 55 times. Yeah, you won't see 55 attempts. The, we had a lot of attempts and more passing yards last game because we these straight possessions to start the game. We allowed them to score. We're down 21 to nothing with a minute something left in the first quarter. You know that you have to pass the ball. So Laburn got half of his normal carries. He was only at 16. He's right around 30 attempts a game. So we are going to want to run. And we need to establish that run. And that is the only way that we can prevent people from putting eight in the box, that sort of thing, is if we're torching them down the field with uh, with the run, then we could do, what, which I wish we would do more of, play action to open up the passing game. But you're going to see a lot of that zone read with Fancher and Laburn to where one of them is going to run the other one's going to obviously be the decoy you'll see a lot of that and some dives and runs and stuff up the middle and laboring does not need much of a hole to get some chunk yards if we can do that's the only way that we should be able to open up our passing game all right russ sounds like we got our hands full this weekend I think we um, both do. I think we do, and you guys do, and I think I think it's going to be a good football game to watch. So I'm I'm excited for it. I love the Sun Belt, man. It seems hardly any team is blowing the other team out of the water. You guys had one. You beat Coastal very good, uh, but most of these games are coming down to a touchdown here and there, and it's been some great football to watch. So I'm looking forward to it. I would say it definitely has lived up, lived up to expectations. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us tonight, Russ. But before you go, let people know where they can find you and where they can listen to your show. 
Sure. We're on any streaming platform. Just search the Thundercast. You will see a green circular logo with our helmet stripe, black and white around it, and black silhouette of a buffalo head. Because when you search for the Thundercast, you're going to see a lot of the Thundercats from the 80s. Not that I'm not a huge fan, but I want you to listen to us more than the Thundercats. We are also on YouTube. Look it up the same way. You'll notice the logo. And you can always interact with us. We're a lot more active on Twitter than we are on Facebook. But we're at Thundercast underscore pod on Twitter. Hit us up. We do a lot of interacting with other fans. And we look forward to making some friends at ODU. Appreciate your time, Russ. Thanks for coming on, man. And let's have a good game. And hopefully both teams go home with no injuries. Yeah, best of luck to you guys. Rock on, man. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.